Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our scripture for this morning is Matthew 5, 1 through 12. It's on the back of your bulletin. It's also on the screen if you'd like to follow along. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up a mountain, and there he sat down because he was about to preach for three chapters. We begin reading parts of the Sermon on the Mount today as the lectionary leads us through Matthew's account of Jesus' teaching. He has been baptized, prepared for his ministry, left Nazareth, called his first disciples, taught in synagogues, proclaimed the good news, and cured diseases. And the news of Jesus' health care had spread throughout the region, and the crowds gathered ready for him to cure what ails them. And the Beatitudes, this section, blessed are those we read today, are sort of a preamble for the way in which Jesus will interpret the law and how he will conduct his ministry. Consider this section the foundation for everything that comes after in Matthew. And so, with the crowds gathered, he ascends the mountain just like Moses, and he gives a teaching just like Moses. And in the rhythm of blessed are they for they, we should recognize this familiar tune of liberation, of deliverance. It's a riffing on what has been given before, building on what has already been written to create the world that is coming and has already arrived somehow. And he begins where we all begin, blessed. These beatitudes make for nice signs in the kitchen and Hallmark cards, but let's establish what they are not before we get to what they actually are. The Beatitudes are not platitudes, band-aids, to-do items, instructions, suggestions, commandments, judgments, permission slips for passivity, inducements to shame, terms and conditions, altar calls, or pie-in-the-sky spiritual 
bypassing. And we sometimes read them as prescriptions for living, but I don't think that's the right approach. Rather, they are descriptions of the world God has made, that Jesus came into, that we live now. Now, perhaps if you're a skeptic like me, you may be wondering, if these are a description of reality, what reality is Jesus living in? Certainly not our own. If we're honest, if we're awake, if we're paying attention at all, surely we must admit that the world Jesus asserts as fact, as true, is not the world that we have made for ourselves. Like, I'm not the only one who sees this, right? You you can nod your head. That would help me feel a little better. Thank you. You do not have to look far to see that the world Jesus is talking about is not the world we're in. I mean, consider the recent string of mass shootings, the mere history of mass shootings in this country. Consider that the leading cause of death in children in the U.S. used to be car accidents, but now it's guns. Wonder with me why we seem to be caught in a time loop of videos releasing of police officers killing unarmed black men over and over again. Wring your hands with me why the rich and powerful insist on hoarding their resources and engaging in theatrics rather than doing their jobs as lawmakers and realizing that they don't get to take any of their gold with them when they die. We don't have to look far to make the case that perhaps Jesus is, is, if not completely delusional, too altruistic. Because I don't see any evidence that the poor in spirit will receive the kingdom of heaven. I don't see the mourning being comforted. I certainly don't believe the meek will inherit the earth. The merciful are trampled and doormatted, not given mercy back. And the pure in heart, they're dismissed, arrested, mocked. The peacemakers are often called divisive and polarizing, certainly not children of God. And those hungry for justice are told that's just the way things are. Yeah, this text may sound nice and melodic like a lullaby, but it grates on my ears and gets under my skin. It makes me roll my eyes and shift uncomfortably in my seat because I know it's not true. I can see that for myself. I can sense it. Something's seriously wrong with the world. And I grow increasingly skeptical that it can be made right. There's a content creator on social media named Elise Myers. Yes, content creation on social media is a real job. Some content creators are hacks and charlatans, I will admit. But some are putting out some really beautiful things in the world, like Elise Myers, who's also a podcast host. And one of those people who puts you at ease by telling her embarrassing story first, um, just Google Elise Myers and 100 Tacos and trust me. Recently, Elise told a story about having an art teacher coming to her class in fourth grade. And he passed out a photo of a ballerina and a blank piece of paper and the assignment was to copy the photo of the ballerina. And right before the lesson, the art teacher says, all right, turn the ballerina upside down. 
and then take your other sheet of paper, and we're going to cover each section at a time and only reveal little bits of the ballerina to copy it. And the students did just that. And fourth grade Elise, ever inquisitive, asked the art teacher at the end of class, why did you have us turn our papers upside down? And he goes, well, sometimes when things are right side up and you're trying to copy them, your brain will just fill in the blanks and make you feel like you understand something you don't. You know what a nose looks like. You know what a leg looks like. But you're not able to draw it right. But when you look at it upside down, that's not a leg anymore. That's a problem you need to solve on another sheet of paper. So I wonder if we should flip the ballerina upside down this morning. Shall we? Let's do this by reading a story or telling the story about a blessing that looks nothing like the pure in heart and meek in spirit in the Beatitudes. There's the story of Jacob and Esau. If you remember, Jacob swindles Esau's firstborn blessing from him over a bowl of lentil soup. And I like lentil soup, but that seems extreme. And he then disguises himself so that his father, Isaac, who was blind, would not realize that he was bestowing the firstborn blessing on secondborn Jacob rather than Esau. Now Isaac does eventually realize too late what has happened, so Jacob has to run away in fear for his life because of Esau's wrath. And we are left with a heartbreaking scene where Esau weeps at his father's feet and asks, is there any blessing left over for me? In this story of Jacob and Esau and the stolen birthright, there is nothing that we might put in a Hallmark card. I mean, imagine writing, is there any blessing left over for me and giving it to somebody? But what we see at this angle is that blessings bring into being a certain kind of reality. Because that's why Isaac couldn't take it back once he realized he had been deceived. That's why he couldn't simply transfer Jacob's blessing over to Esau when he realized his mistake. Because what was declared was brought into effect so that everyone was bound to the new reality. Blessings we see, change what could be into what is. And then if we move the piece of paper up to reveal another part of the ballerina, we see this story. Later in Jacob's life, he'll return to Esau contrite and nervous. And before he meets him, he'll wake up in the middle of the night wrestling with a messenger from God staying in the conflict until he is finally given a blessing. He pins this messenger down and says, I will not let you go until you give me a blessing. Now, I don't think he's talking about a beatitude here. You know, he will not be satisfied with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. No, he wants something else, and he gets it. Not by waiting passively in a corner, hoping the unjust and powerful will finally do the right thing, but by getting in the fight himself and not relenting by realizing that he didn't even have a choice in this fight. He just woke up in this fight, and he decides not to relent. And after that wrestling match, Jacob would walk with a limp for the rest of his life because of that encounter. But it doesn't matter to Jacob, because he knows that a blessing necessarily transforms how we walk in this world. 
I think it's time to turn our drawing of the ballerina right side up. If we take to heart the story of Jacob's life, we can see that when Jesus says the poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of heaven and those who mourn will be comforted, he is declaring that to be true now. And now that it has been said, and we have heard it, we are compelled to live as if it were true, because it is. Maybe these blessings are not lullabies meant to soothe us into drowsy complacency, but rather they are symphonic bursts to awaken us to what is already happening around us, to jolt us awake to the wrestling match that we're already in, to wake us up to the ways that we have been deceived and swindled. And once we are awake, we are now accountable to the world Jesus is talking about. So that with blessing comes responsibility. There's an ethical dimension to these beatitudes. What will we do now that we know how God sees the world? How will we live as if it were true? The current powers that be sweep aside those Jesus declares blessed of God. But we are invited to look again. We are prompted to discern this new reality that is coming through. And when we learn to recognize that those people, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the justice hungry, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted, when we learn to call them saints, we pledge our allegiance to that new world. And we forfeit our allegiance to the way things are and the status quo and business as usual. For us today, we take these blessings as a responsibility and also as a warning. Because if these things are true because Jesus has declared them true, that means that God is in the business of reversing just about everything the world values and worships, even if we too value and worship those things. It means that hierarchies will be toppled even if we are at the top of them. Priorities will be reordered, even if we're not ready. Are we will willing to receive those blessings? Are we paying attention? In this upside-down ballerina of a text, Jesus has borne witness to God's unwavering proximity to pain and to suffering and to weakness. Jesus has named that God is nearest to those who are oppressed and unwanted and disempowered. God isn't concerned with our priorities and our preferences. God is too busy getting close to what's messy and chaotic and unattractive in order to call it blessed and beautiful and good. And God is calling out these things in us and calling us what we are, blessed. And Jesus is saying, blessed are you, and you, and you, and you, and you. So go and become what you are. Give away what you seek and bless what God blesses. And turn this world upside down. Because the kingdom of God is for those whom God calls blessed. And God is so very near to them. Will you get near too? Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.